0: hello to all my dog brothers beautiful anonymous one hour one phone call no names no holds barred
1: i'd rather go one-on-one i think it'll be more fun and i'll get to know you and you'll get to know me
0: hi everybody it's chris gethard welcome it's beautiful anonymous first thing i want to say last week's episode was the squirrel and the giraffe and i was so uh pleasantly surprised to see how much of a chord that one struck the the feedback was was really incredible the facebook group people really uh got a lot of it and i will say too more reaction on on uh instagram comments it seems like a lot of people in this world feel like man it is hard to connect with other people and somehow that caller spoke so eloquently to the idea of not really being able to speak eloquently in real life. And uh, I, it's, it's a little heartbreaking because the guy said he wasn't really a fan of mine or the show. I hope he sees that feedback because he helped a lot of people. Thanks again, Caller, for calling. Thank you guys all for uh, being so kind and supportive to the show and the Caller. Want to let you know, I got a bunch of live shows coming up. ChrisGeth.com, tons of stand updates, and a, a few uh, beautiful anonymous live tapings. We're going to do a live taping in London, September 14th, Detroit. On September 21st, September 28th is the uh, Beautiful Anonymous at Woodstock, New York. Going to be announcing a live taping in Toronto uh, very soon. And then there's stand-up all over, talking about Jersey and Buffalo and Detroit and Woodstock and Brooklyn and Philly and Baltimore and Richmond and a few more other places that are coming. So you can go find those tickets at chrisgeth.com. Now, this week's episode, it has an old-school feel that I love. I think uh, one thing that a lot of people loved about that the early batch of Beautiful Anonymous is it starts with kind of like random chit-chat about stuff, and then it, it really starts to go there. This call, I'm going to warn you, the first 15 minutes, we talk a lot about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I want to just say, I know that Brazilian jiu-jitsu is very boring to hear about if you do not do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You're going to hear us talking about moves and moments at tournaments, and it will hit a point where you're like, come on. Get on with it, we do, and once we do, uh it really it really tumbles downhill fast because we learn this caller is a fighter in many ways, like literally through all the martial arts stuff, but also the more we learn about the caller's life, the more we just see this person has had to keep fighting, keep finding ways to fight physically and metaphorically. It blew me away. my jaw kept dropping, I kept finding myself inspired. This is a fighter. I had to fight harder than I have, certainly, and uh, the fact that. This caller keeps finding their way in this world. It keeps going. It's a really beautiful thing. Enjoy the call.
1: Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show
0: with the host. Hello?
1: Oh, crap. It actually happened. (laughs) Hey.
0: Well, hello to you, too. How are you? How am I? I'm pretty great. Feeling good. Uh, My wife... Just sent me a picture that our son at home had a diarrhea blowout. Not diarrhea like the medical, like he had just a blowout, not diarrhea, not like a medical <laughs> clinician, but I started laughing immediately and I'm sure I'll have to deal with my own versions of this in the future, but I was, uh, there was, I, w- I felt a lot of s- sympathy that my wife was dealing with that and also pretty psyched I'm here instead of, instead of dealing <laughs> with it. That's how I am. How are you?
1: I'm um, good. I can attest that is one of the best feelings. I do not personally have kids, but I uh, had a weird au pair situation where wow. I've known this family for like, basically their entire life, uh, moved to a different state to live with them. And it was always fun to be able to be like, I can choose whether or not I'm going to handle this one or not. Wow. <laughs> do I pass it off to the parents?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. but I, I want to just be clear. When I am around, I try to step up. Try to step
1: I, I have no doubt you're an awesome dad. No doubt at all.
0: Trying to figure it out. So how are you? Got it? The- I'm
1: I'm good. I just woke up, man. Oh, nice. I, uh, I, yeah. I'm I'm a girl with like 50 million jobs. So I'm waking up to start job one before I go into job two tonight. So, yeah. I uh, Actually, I teach kids jujitsu. I ju- put a nap.
0: You're a jujitsu teacher? Yeah.
1: I help. I help. (laughs) My boyfriend is actually uh, the main teacher. He's like a he's a three stripe blue belt, and I am just a lowly little two stripe white belt who really loves to compete.
0: (laughs) Okay, okay. So I'm right in the middle. I'm right in the middle. But if you're teaching classes, you could almost definitely beat me up. I'm truly terrible at jujitsu. Truly bad. I'm
1: pretty bad at the stand up.
0: Oh, well, nobody's good at the stand-up. Nobody in jiu-jitsu. Everybody in jiu-jitsu. Okay, this is very insular, but for anybody listening, <laughs> the stand-up refers to the fact that you start on your feet. Jiu-jitsu is primarily involving fighting on the ground like wrestling, and pretty much everybody who does jiu-jitsu hates the part where you have to start and try to throw the other person to the ground. And then there's this thing where every once in a while you run into a judo guy who's trained judo mm-hmm. in the past and can just throw you on your head because they spent 10 years doing <laughs> judo before they ever signed up, and then they're wearing a white belt, and you're like, well, you just hit me with like a – and they all have crazy names, these moves, where you're like, you just hit me with like a Kesa Judo Gatami, and <laughs> clearly you train that. Or even worse, you know what I'm going to say, the even worse people to deal with than the judo people. Oh, which one? The wrestlers.
1: ah it's funny you say that.
0: <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, your boyfriend a wrestler, or were you –
1: Oh no, my boyfriend is definitely a wrestler and he's definitely been trying to teach me. Like, we're teaching kids right now, like, single legs. And oh, I am God. adamantly trying to get better at my double legs right now because I have a bad habit of just grabbing a collar tie and just guillotine everybody, just hanging them by their neck.
0: That sounds like a pretty good so. <laughs> habit to me, choking people out before you even hit the ground. Let me just, before I can, and I'm not trying to disparage your boyfriend, you, need, you meet <laughs> these people in these classes. And they got a one stripe on their white belt. So I'm looking at them. I'm a blue belt. I'm feeling like, okay, I should be able to handle it. But you look at these guys and sometimes you're like, wait, they already have a little bit of cauliflower ear. Their ear's already Mm -hmm. If you have cauliflower ear, this means you've been going hard. And then it turns out they were like a high school varsity wrestler for three years in Iowa and then like won a D2 championship at some Midwestern college and they can just these wrestlers just bulldog through you. And then they grind their shoulder. They like grind their shoulder blade right into your eye socket. Cause that's what wrestling mm-hmm. is. And I'm like, I'm here to lose weight, dude.
1: <laughs> See, the funny thing is, is most of the guys, I'm the only girl in my gym. We have some girls that trickle in and out, you know, to get the Instagram picture and to learn the basics. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I'm one of the only girls in our gym. So all of the dudes in there are basically old dudes who've been like, I used to wrestle in high school and it's really fun to just be like, okay, well I'm just going to choke you with a triangle now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: They try to do that.
0: It is one of the it's best feelings when someone new shows up and they have been a wrestler and then they're just trying to pin you down and you're like, oh, but you don't know what a Uma Plata is. You've never heard of this. Ooh, I get to try a thing. I get to actually do a thing right now. Exactly. You're like the worst thing you can do,
1: the best thing you can do for me and the worst thing for you is put me on my back. I'm yeah. I'm just to choke you.
0: <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of tricky moves right here. Now you're choked, but I never would. I never beat anybody. I never beat anybody. I doubt that. I'm in one of those What's your best. You're in one of those what? I'm in one of those phases where I've uh, I've plateaued, but I'm also only training like once a week because of the baby. So for three months, I, I think I've trained twice a week, maybe one week. So I'm like slipping, and I'm old. I'm 39. I have a joint condition. My knees are shot. So I'm never going to be great at this. But I, I, I'm I'm backtracking, and I'm a little dismayed by it.
1: But as
0: long as you love it and you're having a good time, that's what matters, you know? I'm doing my best. Like, also, we can talk about this as long as you want, but I have a feeling that everyone involved <laughs> in actually making the show will be furious if all we talk about is super specific Brazilian jiu-jitsu information. Uh, we can get soft with it. You want to get soft? Whatever you want. Whatever you want. I'll, I was. So gonna, I actually, wait, oh, wait. Before we do, though, what's up? can I just say one more jujitsu thing? Because it sounded like you were going to ask, <laughs> like, what's your go-to?
1: Uh, actually, I was going to ask you, what's your favorite uh, What's your favorite thing you've done in a competition? Because I know that you competed. I follow you on Twitter
0: <laughs> and whatnot. Oh, 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 in competitions, I have exclusively gotten my ass beat in front of my wife. And also, oh. I have to say, I'll tweet these things out. And I've been very flattered but very amused. Like, fans have shown up. Like, some of them are, like, fans of my stand-up. Some of them are beautiful moms fans who heard about it on the show. <laughs> and they show up and just watch me get my ass beat ass whipped in both my competitions i went out against guys who really knew how to wrestle i've now competed against three different people in my brackets and one guy was more like me he wound up catching me in a toe hold, which no shame in that somebody Mm. diving for a leg the other two guys i'll say this in jujitsu there's a phrase it's it's uncouth but you will know what i mean two other guys who just wrestle fucked me That's a phrase that gets tossed around in the jujitsu community where a wrestler just gets on top of you and you cannot escape the relentless pressure, the physical pressure. The one guy, though, I'll give myself credit. He caught me in a darse and I wouldn't tap because it wasn't in 100%. So it was cranking me, but it wasn't going to put me out. And I'm not going to tap to that. I'm just not. I don't blame you. I am. I am surprising i'm not good at this and i'm not saying that i'm in any way a badass but i'm tougher than you would think and uh it. this guy had me in a darse and i apparently i turned a a shade of purple so profound that a guy in from my school who was watching was like it got really concerning and then sort of inspiring i think almost in like a rudy way <laughs> i think almost like Rudy. yeah yeah, so I haven't pulled off anything good in competitions. Literally nothing good. How about you? What's the best thing you've pulled off in a competition?
1: Okay, so mildly proud of it, but also not too proud of it. But I actually, I broke a girl's arm doing an arm bar. Whoa. Accidentally.
0: Did you lock it on yeah, too fast, or so did she not tap?
1: She refused to tap. So the girl, so there was a girl she went with before me who landed in Umaplata, which is, for people who don't know, basically... Uh, someone has control of one of your arms, and you're on your stomach like a slug, and you're stuck. There's nothing you can do, but they can manipulate the joints in your arm, yeah, your wrist, whatever.
0: They can basically break so, your arm with their legs.
1: Yeah, they just got a hip up. Yeah. <laughs> but um, So the girl before her had done that to her, and it, this was the, the girl with the broken arm. It was her first time competing, and apparently, she you know the pride that comes in tournaments uh-huh, uh-huh. of, so I might lose, but I'm not going to tap. She yeah. um, refused to tap to that. And then when she got with me, I was just going with her. I was trying to go light cause the girl before me had given me a heads up cause I'm not one of those people that doesn't talk to the people they roll with at tournaments. I want to be your friend. Yeah. I'm just there to have a good time. <laughs> and uh, so she filled me in and I went and I landed an arm bar on her and then she just kept rolling with it. And the next thing I know, her whole elbow is inverted. You can see Yeesh. like where it's just not, not right. Yeesh. So I like let go. I let go because I'm freaked out. The rest is talking to my coach. Like, if I could have called it right there, (laughs) I would have called it. (laughs) And I was like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I didn't mean to break your arm, but you didn't tap. You're an adult. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But my biggest victory would be, like, my first tournament. I was coming in at 140. And as you probably can guess, a lot of girls don't do jujitsu, at least competition-wise. So I got pushed up to the 180-plus weight class. And I had to go against a girl that was at least 40 to 50 Woo. pounds bigger than me. Woo. Yeah. She, and I get the wrestling getting fucked thing. Excuse my language, Sally. Um, because she sat on me for the entire no gi. Just sat on me. Yeah. But that's in what's the G, I came back. Yeah. I came back though in the gi. She tripped by like the grace of God or whatever force you may believe in. This girl <laughs> tripped and I jumped on her back like a spider monkey and rear naked choked her.
0: Well done. Well done. Congratulations. Yeah. I dream of feeling yeah, that we, sense you know. of glory one day. I dream of it.
1: it. It's one of those dumb, I don't know how we got here. It's the middle of like, you know, you've seen Emperor's New Groove. You may be wondering how we got here. Yes. That, that was my moment.
0: Well, <laughs> but I'm jealous. I warned Harry. <laughs> you did. About the jujitsu yeah, talk? The, nice. About the jujitsu
1: talk. I was like, I just woke
0: up. We might
1: chit chat. We'll probably talk about jujitsu. Well, I'll tell you what: there are yeah, small.
0: Some people might actually like it because I will tell you, when you're a guy like me, you're 39 year old comedian, never really been athletic your whole life, and you walk out onto <laughs> a mat and you look a person in the eye, and I'm telling you, the first guy, the first guy I went against, this was last year, so I was 38. I looked him up afterwards. I'm like you. I want to be friends. Everybody I've ever competed against, we're Instagram friends now. We leave comments on each other. Mm-hmm. And um, this first guy, dude named Jorge, nice guy, if he ever listens to this. But I'm So this guy, I mean, he he's the one who locked me in the door. As soon as I walked out, I was like, this guy's a specimen. This guy's a physical specimen. I'm 145 pounds. But I'm a little doughy. He's clearly, he's jacked. I'm looking mm-hmm. at this guy. I'm like, this ain't going to be good. So we're Instagram friends. After the competition, I look at this guy's Instagram. He's 31. I believe he's an ex-Marine. And he has, in his Instagram stories, he has videos of himself doing handstand push-ups, completely vertical push-ups. And I was just like, I fought this guy for five entire minutes and I didn't tap out. That is a moral victory. Of high caliber, yeah. but oh my goodness, he was doing handstand push-ups. There's other videos of him on his Instagram doing, he'll just be standing there, and then he just does a backflip and lands on his feet. I'm like, what? This guy's a superhero. Why did I fight this guy? Oh, my God. And uh, But he's really nice. And then he uh, bought a copy of my book and checked it out, and then he plugged it and said, you should check out this guy's book. So it's like, yeah, that's a fair nice. trade. He beats the shit out of me, but then he tries to help uh, put a little food on the table. That's nice. Appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, and then this other guy, William. I got a little mad at William. William's actually really funny, and we DM sometimes. Nice guy. But he put a thing up of him double-legging me, like, and then gave analysis of like, yeah, here's where I sort of baited it and saw that my opponent uh, didn't have like a quick twitch sprawl, and here's where I double-legged him. And he put the whole video up. Meanwhile, he doesn't include the fact that my coach was going, our whole plan was to concede the takedown. Because as soon as we realized this guy could wrestle, my coach was like, just find a way to get to guard or even just let him take you down. Just get to the ground fast. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't put my coach yelling, Chris, concede the takedown, let it go. He turns the audio off. So it looks like he's the double leg master of the world. Gotta feed the ego. <laughs> yeah, So do I, though.
1: I had a girl do that or similar to that. But the funny thing is... is- Like she did the whole trying to, you've heard sandbagging in tournaments,
0: Oh, yeah. For anybody who doesn't know. We had a girl. This is when sometimes people will be very ready for a new belt. So in your division, it means someone who clearly should have a blue belt, but their coach doesn't give them the blue belt so they can enter one or two final competitions and just blast through everybody. Sandbagging. Right. Yeah.
1: So there was a girl who was an MMA, like she's training in oh and those oh. girls are my favorite. I've had two of those. One of them I beat her in Ghee, but she I I got lazy during Ghee and she beat me in no Gi I mean. Uh she beat me there. So the other one, this one, she was wicked. I mean, comes in pull on, like this girl's gonna go professional and it won't surprise me. Everyone else in my bra- in our in our weight class was mad. I didn't care. So I'm just like, hey, I'm here to roll because I finally have people my size. This is rad. What's up?
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, they all got mad because she was doing our weight class and the weight class above us and she murdered everyone. That was the first time I finally got submitted in a tournament. She got me with an arm bar and I had never been so excited in my life to be arm barred. I was like, oh, We actually rolled, because we've seen white belt matches. A lot of them, rarely anything goes on other than some hand slapping, and we might eventually end up on the ground.
0: Yeah, you're just kind of pushing each other's shoulders because everyone's nervous about takedowns.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, I had just sent the match before that. I I won it by decision because I attempted the most stuff because this girl had kept running from me, so I was hyped to be armbarred. Everyone else was like, In the video, she posted her uh, my video, me and her. She's like, I was really tired because I just got sandbagged by this other girl, and it just wasn't right, you know. And my opponent, she did okay. I was like, but you clearly see me choke you in that video. I think I did. I think I did a little better than okay, but all right, whatever. Sleep at night.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. Habit of
1: getting next. My gym is a guillotine gym, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, that's wrestler stuff. That's wrestler stuff. (laughs) I've really been liking the but. Williams Guard. Are you familiar with the Williams Guard? What is that? It is a great, great guard for uh, old people with creaky joints like me. <laughs> uh, it it I, it apply by all means. Um, ladies can use it too, but it's a good sneaky old man game. It's like rubber guard, but you don't have to be so flexible. It's great. It's great.
1: Ooh. Ooh, I'm going to have to look into that. It's really good. I, I love rubber guard, but I'm not flexible
0: enough Yeah, for it. I can't do rubber guard. I'll blow my knee right out. But this Williams guard, it doesn't have that same stress on the uh, ACL, MCL, LCL. Look it up. Sean Williams, yeah. a brilliant teacher. <laughs> okay, so it's been 15 minutes of jiu talk. <laughs> you said before we can get soft. What did that mean? Going to pause there. I bet there's many listeners going Oh, thank God the jujitsu talk is over We are going to move on when we get back Do want to just uh, note that um, When we do get back We're talking about many things One of them, uh, it's worth mentioning If you are a survivor of any sort of sexual assault You're going to want to uh, know That there's some discussion of that coming I always like to give fair warning uh, But we talk about many, many things In the remainder of the call So, now that we've paused And I put that all out there. Perfect time, I think, to uh, say that the momentum's broken. Let's go ahead. Let's do some ads. Check out what our advertisers have to offer. Use the promo codes. Helps the show when you do. We'll be right back. Based on how you buy. Thanks to everybody who advertises on Beautiful Well, allows us to bring this show to the world. Now let's get back to the call. You said before we can get soft. What did that mean?
1: All right. So funny enough, uh, the way I got into jujitsu was my now boyfriend pressured me into it. And also out of spite. So there's a little anger to it. Um, I, about five years ago, was raped
0: Aww. by a
1: by a brown belt at the time he like I mean I even had his hoodie that was a jujitsu hoodie and I burned it and like I I couldn't handle it because he was one of those dudes who was like well I thought you'd be more aggressive and that stuck with me so going through like severe depression after coming to terms with that is, had even been what had happened to me I one turned to your podcast you guys were my first friends in college you and girl who builds uh who builds homes for ghosts out of sculptures.
0: Oh, the one who y'all named my my first, me friend. a giraffe.
1: Yes. Uh, and talked about the motorcycle, the guy who follows around the ghost motorcycle ghost.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And you thought that it might've been your cousin. Yes. Um, yes. so y'all were my first friend. <laughs> I found you on NPR and was like, "Wait, this dude's being really funny about suicide and like I want to die." So, <laughs> oh god, I got to check out his podcast. Oh god, this so is it ended up <laughs> this is my legacy. <laughs> Coincidentally, yeah, that's how I found you, man. Wow. <laughs> but wow, I became like diehard, beautiful Anonymous, and then stumbled upon a gym. Got into Muay Thai at the gym. Ended up having to leave and because I couldn't afford it, and then came back and was able to afford it. So joined. And I would come in for, for Muay Thai and the dude who is now my boyfriend would be like, you go to see for jujitsu. And I'd be like, jujitsu is like, I would call it, I would call it gay. I would be like, this is, you know, sorry for, you know, the community that was in a different place at that point. Not as nice as I am now. I would call it that stuff though. And be like, no, I don't want to roll around with a bunch of dudes. This is gross. Y'all are all stupid. And eventually there was a girl there is not there anymore she was like listen you can work with me and it's not going to be like that I promise I was like okay whatever so I stayed and she was me like a paramedic so she kept me calm because it of course you know triggered some PTSD for me Mm -hmm. um, which had been had been diagnosed at that time and then becoming extremely therapeutic for me so like for the longest time I was scared to do anything I wouldn't work with dudes I still you know like I screen guys as they come in but it was really cool to see this thing that everyone blatantly knew. No one knew what it was. my aversion was to it or why I hated it so much, but they knew that I was insecure and I was scared to come in there and that I didn't like doing it. And they were all very accommodating with it. But yeah, my jujitsu started out of being hurt by someone who did jujitsu.
0: Well, I just want to make sure I say that I'm so sorry that that happened to you and um, it should never happen to anybody. And, yeah, I will say too, in the world of jiu Jitsu, you hear stories like this sometimes, and and uh, you know, you'd like to think that this is not the norm, and I don't think it is, but any I think in particular, for someone to train physically to be able to dominate and control other people, um and then and and then become a predator. That is particularly nefarious and insidious and, and mm-hmm. fills me with even more anger than some other stories. I also have to say, in doing this show, I'm really getting the sense that the, the percentage of women who have had to deal with some sort of assault is way higher than I ever knew just from how often people say it either as the core of their story or as a piece of their story that they tell me it is it is wild it is really really heartbreaking how often yeah it comes up on this show
1: it's way more common than you know people even think in general too i mean i so like when i first was assaulted i for months didn't even accept it i was like no nah, it was just bad sex and I told myself that, and then I was sitting in a mass communications class, and they were talking about, you know, no means no in the, the debate of consent, because this is around the time that the girl was carrying a mattress around on campus at oh, a
0: school. right, right, um, right.
1: Yeah. And it was in that class that I just kind of, like, had this, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap moment of, like, dang it, <laughs> I have to face this. And thankfully, you know, I went to, I went to two people, uh, or three people total, because one of them was, like, the family that I was living with. And I, I told them all what happened, and they helped me seek help immediately. And I stayed in therapy even when I was doing the jujitsu stuff. My, ther- my therapist was literally in the same building. Like I would walk from therapy to jujitsu right afterwards. Wow, a um,
0: great one-two was... punch. That's my dream one-two punch.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was really good for me too. Because when I first started, even when I was doing Muay Thai, like I went from being when I when I acknowledged what had happened to me, I went from being this fearless. Girl, that just like I will walk around anywhere by myself. I don't care. I can handle them. Like I'm fine. The world's a safe place. To I was I was cowering in a corner. Like I was having to call my sister to like encourage me to even go into Muay Thai. Be sitting in the parking lot crying, trying to work up the courage to go in. So when I was able to do therapy, like immediately before after that, it was a major help. Which I would like to advocate. Don't just do Jujitsu if you're you know going through some stuff. It's great. But also seek
0: help. Yeah, there there's a I, I participate in both comedy and jujitsu, two worlds where I think people sometimes convince themselves that they are a substitute for therapy. And they can both yeah. they can both be therapeutic, but that is not a substitute for actual medical help.
1: Agreed. And it gets harmful if you aren't careful, you know. Oh, yeah. If you do rely on something for too long, it, it eventually starts to fail you. You mm-hmm.
0: know? Mm-hmm. I have to say i really Sorry. i'm really- I'm really uh inspired by the idea that you you know as you say, you were someone who experienced trauma and it left you kind of unable to be bold anymore. The fact that martial arts is something that you used to empower yourself feels to me like one of the positive reasons that martial arts would even exist oh
1: yeah, i mean, and it's led me into a bunch of different things i mean i don't just do I've kind of faded some Muay Thai. I did a little Jeet Kune Do, which, to break that down for people, maybe even you, it's firstly, his style of fighting uh, is called Jeet Kune Do. And I've even done, like, some Kali, which is really fun. That's more Filipino Kali. Kali, it's like that's stick like fighting. stick There's fighting.
0: There's also... I was going to say, like Kali yeah. and Eskrima, right? Like the stick fighting. It,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you also can fight with, like, knives and you can fight with scarves. I'm really bad with, like, the, with the sticks that we use. They're... Uh, Patterns aren't my thing, but you hand me a knife and you say spar. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So you've. And they're fake. They're like rubber knives.
0: Yeah, they use the rubber knives. But so you've been in a situation where you have been handed a stick and someone is staying across from you with a stick and you're going to spar. And this involves beating each other with sticks.
1: So we use different sticks for that. When we're training, uh, like go, just learning different motions and whatnot, the thing we use is called, we use, uh, you can use, either use like bamboo sticks or we have these fiberglass sticks called baliki sticks that we use, uh-huh. um, which they hurt really bad if you get hit with. So no one's with, with that one. But uh, we don't use those when we're sparring. We have different things. They're Bumal, B-U-M-A-L. And it's, uh, like, a softer foam sword-looking type thing. Uh And we wear protective, like, you've got facial, like, headgear and uh, whatnot. But it's great because there's a dude in our class who he likes a particularly nice bar with me because I won't hold back on him the way that everyone else does because they're like, I don't want to hurt you. Like, that just seems mean. And I'm like, let's go.
0: (laughs) I have noticed this at times. I will say I have had uh, sparring sessions where, uh, you know, so anybody listening in a jiu-jitsu class, generally like you'll spar for, you know, five, six minutes and then the teacher says, all right, that's time. And then you just switch and you just kind of look around and grab somebody else. And I, I've i had a few situations where I've wound up training with a female training partner, which I think is, I I feel good about it. Because generally I think the, uh, the cultural rule is sort of like, because I think sometimes people are in situations like yours, you sort of let female members of the class approach you instead of, you know, or you make sure you have a pre-established relationship. Um, and I always feel good that I'm someone people trust, but I will say some of my sparring sessions with female training partners, they have come at me by far with the most aggression and violence. This is not, yeah. this is not, you are not a total outlier in this as far as like, nope, it's go time. Let's do this
1: i have done with where my jujitsu at least like I'll gauge the person I'm with because especially like with jujitsu, I tend to be a little bit more of a lazy roller, like preferably Mm -hmm. like in my gym, just because everyone's significantly bigger than me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm with them. I love them all, but they're a bunch of dude bros that they got to prove something, you know? So I'll go based off of their energy when doing that. The the fun thing with this dude that I'm talking about, um, (laughs) When we do our sparring, like with the knives and whatnot, he's a black belt in jujitsu. So I don't mind going 100% at him because right. I know that he, he can handle day. anything.
0: He can handle anything. Yeah,
1: he's a, he's a black belt in jujitsu and judo. <laughs> he, yeah, he's yeah. just going to throw me down and sit on me.
0: <laughs> but when it comes to knife fighting, you'll stab a motherfucker. Sorry, Sally.
1: Oh, yeah in a heartbeat.
0: (laughs) So you're training like every martial art you can. So if you're ever in a, if you're ever in a situation where someone tries, you really, I mean, and God, God forbid that this even happens. I pray that you're never in another situation where you feel threatened, but if you are, you've got some contingency, (laughs) you got some contingency plans in place now.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I definitely feel more confident about it. Like, you know, prior to all of like what, what's happened to me, um, I have been in some situations I've bartended for a little while. So I've had to like get up in some guys' faces and be aggressive, more aggressive with them than I would expect to have to be. Um, And it's been a good confidence boost to be like, yo, I will choke you and you won't even see that leg kick coming when I'm done. (laughs) Wow. So it's a good feeling. Um, And it's definitely, I don't ever want to have to test it. Like I don't want to say that I'm super confident that I would wreck whoever comes my way. Um, because I know my tendencies, like I'm, I, I'm rewriting uh, my whole system of most people are fight or flight, but they forget that there's also a shutdown mm. that you're not, you don't run. So mm. I, and i naturally, I've always been a shutdown when it comes to confrontation. So I've been jujitsu, Muay Thai, Filipino Kali, all of that's been kind of rewriting that for me of being like, don't just shut down, do something. Have Even options. if it
0: is run so yeah you're saying that so the basic it sounds like the basic bullet points are to recover from a trauma, you have done a, mm-hmm. a dedicated combination of mental health counseling and a dedication towards learning a variety of forms of violence this has been the yeah. This has been the recipe that's helped you cope and move forward
1: without a doubt. It definitely has. I won't say I'm 100% sick, you know, and I know that'll come with time, but it's definitely been something that's been extremely beneficial for me with finding this, and I'm not an athletic person. I have i didn't grow up doing any sports. I did one sport when I was, like, 16 for a few months, and that was Irish hurling, <laughs> you know.
0: What? So you, did, not... you did yeah. Irish hurling? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's you... pretty fun. It's... i'm <laughs> I'm loving the, you, I've always been fascinated with Irish hurling. This is a sport known to again be brutal, brutal. It's sort of I, I would say it's 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 a pretty niche thing. It's known in Ireland, not many other places, I believe. It's sort of like lacrosse, right? And that involves sticks, but it's also uh-huh. like people people Curiosity. get people get heart hurt doing hurling, right?
1: Yeah, I, uh, that's actually why I quit. Um, I was out of practice one day. So to give you the best, uh, the best rundown I can, especially for people who may not know what it is, Her- Irish hurling is a good mix of soccer meets street hockey meets, uh, lacrosse. You have a, you have a short one stick that kind of looks like a hockey stick, but it's more rounded at the bottom. And you have a ball that looks like a baseball, but it's lighter. Uh, and it's, they're called, uh, a hurley and a slitter. The ball, if I remember, is the, is the, flitter and your stick is the Hurley. Uh, again, I'm sorry. It's been years since I've done this. But yeah, so it's pretty brutal sport. I got out of it because I was the only girl. I, my boyfriend at the time, we both had been at like this Irish Heritage Festival or whatever in our downtown, and we were like, heck yeah, let's do this, and went to check it out. We loved it. We did it for a while, and this dude comes in, and he, uh, we're doing a, a drill where you have to hit your stick to the coach's stick the fastest. And mind you, I'm like 16 years old, so I'm not really the most responsible person to have a stick in my hand. <laughs> um, I uh, I tell the dude that I'm up there with, I'm like, hey, don't go easy on me. I know what I'm doing. And basically, we go to hit our sticks, see who can hit their stick the quickest of the coaches. I hit my stick too far, and I bust his kneecap. <laughs> and I left after that. I was like, I, I can't do this. I just busted some dude's kneecap on day one. Of Irish hurling practice, and I can't even go have a beer with the guys at the Irish pub down the street. Now I feel bad. (laughs) Get me a root beer. So yeah, (laughs) it was a roller coaster.
0: So you just took a stick and just destroyed destroyed some guy's knee kneecap.
1: Yeah. Damn. Yeah, the tiny like ninety pound girl.
0: You have to understand that so far in 32 minutes, you've talked about uh, busting a kneecap and breaking an arm. You might be the most badass caller <laughs> thus far. You've trained Muay Thai, Jeet Kune Do, Kali, which is, we're now getting to the fringe if you're training Filipino stick fighting, <laughs> Jiu Jitsu. Hurling, a sport that is basically when you watch, it's like it's like when you watch like Australian rules, rules football or rugby. Like it's one of these sports that's also just kind of a fight. You're a badass.
1: Yeah. I'm, the, I'm gonna say the disclaimer. I'm probably the worst in my gym at all of these things. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm flattered. <laughs>
0: Harry and just I don't uh, want
1: to act like I know what I'm doing.
0: Harry Nelson in the booth just informed me that he looked up a video of Irish hurling as you mentioned it and he finds it scary. He finds it actually <laughs> it's frightening. <super> fun. <laughs>
1: it's... No, it's super fun. Oh Funny enough, God. there's a separate league for girls, but they only had a guys' league where I was at.
0: So now do you are there any other sports or martial arts, anything that you have your eye on where you're like, that's on the to do list? I want to go do highlight because I hear that those balls travel 120 miles an hour and you can get your skull shattered. I'm just looking for the the most physically dangerous sports I can participate in. I want to go to Italy. Have you ever seen that one in that Italian village? Do you know this? Oh, what is it called? There is, Harry, you got to look this up for me. There is an Italian village that I think for like 200 years, these four different neighborhoods I think come together and they have a sport. That's like, it's kind of like rugby, but you're allowed to straight up fist fight. So it's like rugby and then MMA matches erupting in the middle <laughs> of, you got to watch it. You'd you'd move to Italy, I think, and sign up for it. Oh, what is it called? Hold on. <laughs> Ital- I'm going to Google it right now. I try not to go on the computer during calls. Let's see. Italian sport with ball and fighting. Okay, wait, is it? Yeah. Italian sport ball fighting. I'm going to Google that. What is it called? Calcio Storico. You're going to want to look this up. (laughs) It is like rugby. It's got, it's bare knuckle boxing matches come out in the middle of rugby. It's, it's, it's crazy. Calcio Fiorentino, it's also called. It's been happening since the 16th century. Oh my goodness. You'd love it. You'd love it. Okay, what else do you have on your I'll agenda? What else do you have uh, on your have to-do you list? Of, have you heard of Dog Brothers? I was going to ask you if you've seen the Dog Brothers videos. <laughs> you and I are meant to be friends. This is wild. I was going to ask you. So the Dog Brothers, they have their roots in the uh, in in what you mentioned, I think, the the Filipino stick fighting arts of Kali and Eskrima. And yeah. I know of them because I had always heard that the, they were invited to the first UFC because they were these known underground uh-huh. fighters. But then they asked if they could bring their sticks, and the Gracie family was like, "Of course you can't fight with sticks." And they said, "Well then we're not going to do it." If you look up video, Harry, you want to scare yourself? You think hurling's scary? These Dog oh. Brothers are these guys? They like meet up in parking lots in California. And beat the hell out of each other with sticks.
1: It's like Bloodsport meets Fight Club. Oh, hold
0: on. Oops. I accidentally turned on a Dog Brothers video. (laughs) And an ad for manscaping came up. I'm so sorry. Okay. You want to do Dog Brothers events?
1: Okay. So not quite. So not quite. So we're kind of getting a more tame thing going at our gym.
0: Oh, no. What um, is it? You're in one of these weirdo (laughs) gyms. You're in one of these extreme gyms.
1: So, um, well, I mean, it's not, it's just a few of us. It's just a few of us. So the guy I was telling you about, there's a black belt in judo and jujitsu who's in our Kali class. He and my boyfriend are really into the idea of kind of doing something more toned down version. It comes up in Kali because most of the time me and my boyfriend will just kind of mess around in Kali. Like we joke around cause I'll eventually get the pattern, but like, I, I can't stay focused. My attention spans just everywhere. And uh, we'll start messing around with this stuff. And he actually bought a long sword, a training long sword. What are you talking on.
0: about? <laughs> what are you even talking yeah. about? Are you going to fight with swords?
1: It's a it's a tra- it's a rubber sword. It's fine. He's going to put foam on it, and it gets better. It gets better. So my weapon of choice in Kali is the karambit. <laughs> I love I love the karambit, um, which is and no one knows what that is. It's a curved knife. It's pretty brutal. <laughs> just look up Mortal Kombat videos, um, but yeah, no. So we're we we're actually we've both got these training karambits and training longsword, and we're gonna put foam and stuff on it. But we watched—I can't remember what the movie is. I wish I could remember the movie. We watch these cheesy but really cool uh, kung fu movies all the time, and in one of them, the dude has a karambit on a chain and just flings his chain karambit around and murders people with it. And I was inspired. So we're working on making one of those for me. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to mix in jujitsu, like, so all of MMA, basically just adding in Kali, inspired by the Dog Brothers. And if you're required to have, like, a cut-off sleeve, B top, just the top, <laughs> and we wear protection.
0: So you have created a death device where you've mounted a sword on the end of a chain. No, no, not the sword. The karambit is on the a chain. The karambit, a knife. The sword is
1: a long sword. By a itself.
0: knife on the end yes. of a chain. I want to say, too, I called up one of these Dog Brothers videos. Harry, are you watching this thing? We are watching a video right now. It's legitimately, if you look up the Dog Brothers, fair warning to anybody listening, what you will find is videos of actual maniacs, and they're like in fields. These are not sanctioned fighting events. It's just like dudes in jorts, like jean shorts and tank tops, and they're wearing like fencing helmets. And beating yep. each other to the point where they're bleeding. Beating each other with sticks while like 30 people stand around in a field in a suburban neighborhood with houses in the background. Like this is not, the this is not like the NSAC isn't sponsoring this. These guys aren't, there's no concussion protocols with the dog brothers. This is underground kumite shit.
1: Exactly. It's blood sport.
0: <laughs> you want to be in a kumite.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Have you seen Blood Sport? It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I've seen Blood Sport. It's a fictional movie, and you're a real person. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm nervous. It's okay.
1: <laughs> Don't be, because it's all like at our gym. So, I mean, we're obviously not going to like bloody each other up. The only time any of that has happened, as far as like blood goes, there's been the occasional like you rub your knuckles the wrong way across someone's fencing helmet. That's the worst that's happened, you know, in the gym. <laughs>
0: I'm watching one now. It's a guy in a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey getting his ass beat with a stick. Don't do this. And I had to find like the
1: most mundane outfit is what I'm hearing to fight in.
0: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. This is a hell of a call. You ever be honest with me, because I bet there's guys in your gym that are fighting. They, They call them smokers. You know what I'm talking about with smokers?
1: Um, under not sure.
0: Elaborate. this is like these, there's these underground unsanctioned fighting events. It's like these basically like MMA mm-hmm. fights that'll happen in a gym that locks its doors and it's pretty illegal and, and messed. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you got guys in your gym who are going doing these underground fights.
1: Okay, most of the dudes in our gym are either like high school boys or uh, <laughs> the occasional college kid comes through. Most of them are around your age, funny enough. I would say, probably, if anyone's doing it. It's going to be our instructor, and I don't think he's doing it now. But I, without a doubt, know that he has. Like, he doesn't even have to tell me. I know he's done it before. <laughs> he's talked about like going to tennis courts in the middle of the woods and being like, "Let's go."
0: Fighting, so, walking sure through the woods, it. walking through a woods <laughs> to a desolate tennis court, far from prying eyes, and fighting someone on a tennis court. This is these are the type of oh, people yeah. you're rolling with now. No, would pause it there. I'm going to let you guys know people might not know I'm on the fringes of it with my GDC stuff there's more of this in the world than you think people fighting in the woods people fighting on like the top level of parking garages there's a weird underground world of fighting out there and I'm so happy that the caller has, has shined a spotlight on it to a small degree we'll be right back thanks again to everybody who sponsors the show now let's finish off the phone call (laughs) <laughs> Walking through a woods to a desolate tennis court, far from prying eyes, and fighting someone on a tennis court. This is these are the type of oh, people yeah. you're rolling with now.
1: Yeah. Damn. That's my instructor. He's teaching me stuff.
0: I mean, I guess that's who you want to learn from.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a cool guy now, totally tame. I mean, where we live, like, there's nothing that exciting going on. I promise you. I mean, so like, I'll give you a little bit of information of where I live. I live in Charlotte.
0: Okay, so, nice town.
1: This is right outside. It's, it's a nice little town. I mean, where I live isn't the super best. Um, I'm right next to UNC Charlotte. So, I like, actually, I used to attend the school. I don't, as right now. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, in my neighborhood, not the best. We had a girl get kidnapped and raped, apparently, oh, no. in an apartment complex down the road from me. We had a big get shot in my pool.
0: In, right in the pool the, like, while he was swimming? Yeah.
1: What? No, he was talking, he was talking junk. I was actually home, like, for the first, I'm usually not home. I'm always at the gym or one of my jobs, one of my other jobs. Uh, but he actually, like, was apparently talking bad garbage to this other dude. And, of course, it's a college area. So everyone's drinking. And um, he, it's, it's a dark, like, he basically made a comment about, like, I got so far up in your girl, she felt it in her ribs. And the dude shot him right next like they were in the pool like not physically in the water but like in the pool in the and pool uh, area. my roommate had
0: yeah in so the like area right where a lifeguard pool. would normally say like no horse play allowed
1: yeah but it's a, it's a college town so there's no lifeguard like in the in this, in this uh, apartment complex so they
0: did gun play in the horse play zone
1: exactly yeah so unfortunately you know like I'm not living in the best area but outside of that i would say it's a pretty low key you know, area, nothing outside crazy of that, of outside
0: of people getting <laughs> capped by the pool. Pretty low key.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, like that only happened once. I mean, there was a dude. I heard about this. I did not live here when it happened, but there was a dude who got uh, shot in the throat because he didn't have enough money for his
0: weed. Weed, but, weed is below. I don't yeah. think you're going to say that's usually meth. That's usually a meth problem. You would think, right? Weed that's is the crazy. more laid back one.
1: Oh Yeah, well, so he got shot in the throat for not having enough money. And I guess he got aggressive with the dude. This is when my, my friend lived here. I didn't live here at that time. And I didn't find out about it until I'd already signed my lease. So you're kind of just tied in at that point. Try not to get
0: in the way. I thought growing up in North Jersey was weird. I thought North Jersey was a weird, violent place. Charlotte, who knew Charlotte is the number one place to get shot in the throat next to a pool? We just, our, uh, we just surpassed
1: our. We just surpassed our. Uh, what is it? Regular? Like, there's an average number that every state has of people that die in the state by murder, and we just passed it by like fifteen or some nonsense like that. It's only July. I don't some of the guys talking about it. I know. We're barely halfway through the year here. I know. Conveniently, I'm never home, so I'm like at low risk of being killed. I, uh, I work at the hospital, I work third shift, so I just get to see the crazy stuff that happens.
0: So wait, so you so you spend all day in the gym, and then you, you work in the hospital too. You said you have multiple uh-huh. jobs, what are the other jobs? So you participate I'm, in violence, then you see the after effects of violence at the hospital. Then what else are your jobs?
1: My other job is I work as an assistant manager at a restaurant.
0: Okay, that's good, that's so not I, violent, that's good.
1: No, no. So I, I serve sometimes there, and then I also I do what's called Expo, which is basically assistant manager. I sit in the window make sure your food looks pretty before it comes out. Right. And if there's a problem, I come and talk to the table be like, hey, what's up? I'm sorry your steak sucked. Let me get you a discount. You want a free dessert?
0: And if there's a real problem, yeah. you bust out a knife on a chain and tell them, hey, scram. Exactly. Why don't you scram?
1: Like, you, you got a problem, sir?
0: <laughs> oh, my
1: goodness. But yeah. It's an eventful life. And, uh, yeah, I have a pretty interesting story, I guess, you know. I left home when I was 18 and moved up here to Charlotte. I'm not even from here originally.
0: Did you move up for school or just to, to check yeah. out Charlotte? Yeah.
1: Uh, I did. so, like, I was actually I, – i technically, I scared everyone back home because I was – as soon as I turned 18, I withdrew myself from high school at the high school that I'd been at for the entirety of my – you know, almost four years at that point of high school. Um, And I I told him I was like, no, I promise, like, I'm really going back to school. I'm just moving. I I decided to move to Charlotte. And I left my mom and my sisters. And I moved up here to live with some people that I'd known back in Greenville. And they helped me get through high school. I'm the first in my family to have graduated that. And now I'm the first to go to college. I'm taking a super long route, but (laughs) Thanks. But yeah, I know. So it was pretty interesting, though, doing all that. I was doing it mostly for, like, my sisters to kind of be a role model for them. And how,
0: and how are now, they doing? So. Do you feel like it had a positive effect?
1: <clears throat> you know, um, yes and no. I think that it hurt in some ways because growing up, my mom wasn't really the best mom. She did the best that she could being a single mom with, you know, five kids. But uh, I I kind of left home and... I, like I told you, I usually repress things. I was a shutdown, not a fight or flight. So when I left, I kind of got a nerve to be able to say some stuff to my mom that I'd never been able to say. And that took effect on my little sisters and now little brother at the time. Um, so, you know, like they kind of got brainwashed for a little while into I was taken away. I didn't even want to go. I was tricked and all this stuff. And now as they've gotten older, they know like, they know that I made the choice. Uh, to leave home and do this, and they know that I did a part of it to show them that they could do it. Because I have an older sibling, my older sister. She, there's a cycle in our family. My mom willingly, on her own, went and dropped out of college or out of high school at 17 as soon as she could. She went into a teacher's office or principal's office and was like, "Su, bye," and left and never came back. My sister, when she was 17 similar situation. Didn't go into a teacher's office or anything. She just completely dropped out. She was hard into partying and drugs and things like that. She just left. And I was kind of on that same side. while I was going through severe depression. I wasn't going to school. I was sleeping the day away. I was withering. Like I was 18 and I weighed about uh, 75 pounds, Wow, which is super, yeah, super unhealthy. I mean, my mom couldn't get me to eat. I was past the point of return. And this was like a newfound hope, but my mom didn't realize that the reason I was getting my energy back and getting my my hope back was because I was leaving that situation. She thought that I was just getting better. So she didn't want me to go towards the end. And then when I did, it turned into a whole thing. But, um, I think that it's been good for some of them. My older sisters, it's funny enough, it helped her get her life together a little bit. And, one of my younger sisters, not so much. The two youngest, they're kind of doing their own thing, but I think I have a better relationship with them now because of it. I've kind of encouraged them that even if it isn't college, as long as they graduate high school then pursue their dreams, that I'm happy for them. That my goal kind of changed towards it. At first, it was, you got to go to college. And now being here and I'm like four years in and I've got half of the stuff that I need, I'm like, y'all got to do something that makes you happy. <laughs> But get out of the house and do it. Like don't just ride the coattails of you know your parents. Mm-hmm. And well, parent. Um, but it's been good for them. overall. I think some so, of them.
0: So you've been fighting your you you've been fighting your way through life both metaphorically and literally the whole time.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah man. It's been it's been a weird life. Basically, my life is something you'd see on Lifetime, wow. without a doubt. <laughs>
0: So you'll sit and watch a Lifetime movie and be like, this isn't, this isn't so extreme.
1: I mean, not necessarily so extreme as so much, oh, when are they going to make my life a movie? You know?
0: Right. It was right. like,
1: it's, it's a weird life. I mean, all of my siblings are actually half siblings. I'm technically an only child. And I also have eight step siblings. Wow. For for one example, <laughs> you know, um, and just everything I've been through. I mean, and what my my family's been through, my siblings. I we were the people under the stairs is what my mom called us because we lived in my grandma's basement for most of my life they still live there actually so it's, wow. it's a weird <laughs> but yeah so don't know how we ended up on that one <laughs> you had to bust
0: out when you saw that opening when you were 18 even though you were still in high school you saw the window open you said I gotta take my shot what are we doing We got I gotta take the shot
1: yeah yeah, as someone, I'm not very religious now, but, like, I'll be honest with you. I think that I'm really blessed, you know, because I didn't have the one thing my sisters and brother didn't have uh, growing up is they they didn't have a dad. My two youngest siblings, their dad died when they were six. My older sister, her dad had already left but died when she was 16, or she found out when she was 16. I'm, I don't remember exactly when he died. And then my littler sister below me but didn't know her dad. I found mine. Um, through a lot of harassment. But I got really lucky that I found this family at church, um, growing up and they kind of just took me in. I mean, they taught me how to cook, they taught me how to clean. Uh basically they taught me the basics. I mean, they taught me how to do laundry things. My mom wouldn't even show me. And wait, she was more wait. of a I'm gonna do it so you don't mess it up kind of girl. This
0: was your this was your This was through locating your dad or this was through a commu- <laughs> a commu- was church. <laughs> this was a community at church it wasn't that you located yeah. your dad in church
1: they yeah like that was a separate thing um, got it got it so, that, but yeah
0: wow so the church community <laughs> yeah. stepped up and kind of took you in and said we're gonna we're gonna help you have a basic command of the infrastructure of life
1: yeah this one family like I was I, I kind of did this thing when I was little I was very manipulative so I was trying to get 50 cents from, uh, the pastors, the youth pastor's wife so that I could get some chips. And she, uh, she saw right through it. Somehow we ended up getting into her being like, well, I'll tutor, I'll be your tutor. And then it became her picking me up twice a week for school from school to take me to her house. And then I'm like, became their babysitter because they had just had their first baby at that time. I was like 12 and it just all kind of piled into this like now weird thing where it's like, they are my, they're my honorary family. Wow. So like I moved up to Charlotte to live with them. Their two youngest girls didn't even know that I wasn't their sister. They wow. thought that I was, they thought that I was like their blood because they literally all known me since they were born. The two oldest, I remember a time when I didn't live with them. So they know I'm like, oh, that's our adopted big sister. So, but the two youngest is great.
0: <laughs> is this the family you mentioned before that you, you paired for?
1: Yeah. Yeah, basically, au pair is the easier way to say it. I mean, I live with them. I help take care of the kids by my own choice. Um, but yeah, so I was essentially an au pair, but they were also just another family for me. They helped me, you know, get to where I am now. Wow.
0: Those are nice people.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'm. that's why I say, like, I'm blessed to have had that because my, my other siblings, they never got that. My older sister didn't need the twins and... My younger sisters, they all just kind of had to fend for themselves. And I think that's why I ended up a different way than all of them, to be honest.
0: That's an incredible story.
1: Yeah, like I said, lifetime. I'm just waiting for my movie. <laughs> how'd you
0: uh, How'd you wind up moving on from from living with that family day to day? Was it just time for you to sort of spread your own wings? It's div- You said au pair oh. before, and that was shorthand. it it was much more of a surrogate family than an actual employment situation.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was no employment other than they literally, they said me, they took care of everything for me um, other than car and gas. But they even, they taught me how to drive. Um, so the way that happened, that changed was, is I did my last year or last year and a half of high school, because when I transferred, my credits got messed up. So I, trans- I graduated a year later. And then after that, they let me, they helped me get into community college to Mm -hmm. knock out some of the main classes. And so I lived with them for about two years afterwards to do that. And then they were like, all right, so that you can get the college experience, let's get you on campus. So I moved, like when I transferred to a university, they helped me move on campus and all that just kind of, it's time. You know, I still, I see them all the time and we still have the same relationship where it's like, Hey, I'm coming over. Okay. And already walking through the door kind of
0: thing. Do you go see them on holidays and stuff like that?
1: Oh, yeah. I straight skipped uh, going home. There's a few times I would lie to my mom and tell her, hey, I'm staying at Blue's house. Whatever boyfriend I had at the time like, I'm going to do Christmas with them this year. I hope it's okay. Or I'm doing Thanksgiving with them this year. And really, I'm just gone to be with my second family because... They're—they they seem so unreal. Like, I mean, having lived with them, I know that they have their family problems, but they are almost the perfect family, really. I've, I lived with them for four years, almost four years, and I only saw the husband and wife fight once, and it was the calmest fight I've ever seen. The same way we're talking to each other right now, this is how they fought. Wow. And it happened in front of me. Yeah. That must be So like I, I took a lot that, <laughs> away from them.
0: Yeah, that you must have that must have been an eye opening eye opening thing to witness. Like it sucks for them they were in a fight, but you must sit there and go, Oh, there's a whole other way to talk to each other. There's a whole other way to interact yeah. with people.
1: Yeah. In a much healthier way, because, I mean, it was really cool. I've taken a lot from them, but yeah, i good holidays to spend with them.
0: When you uh when you grow up and you have a shaky foundation <laughs> And like you said, you had mentioned that there was kind of a cycle maybe of, oh, wait, what's all that crazy noise?
1: Sorry, those were. (laughs) this is going to sound really douchey. Those are my jujitsu tournament medals. Uh, I didn't know where to put them, so they're hanging on a closet door, and I was closing
0: the door. You're just rubbing it in (laughs) with broken arms, and I'm sitting here getting choked, turning purple. I'm turning purple while Jorge does vertical push-ups over me. You're over here clinking your medals together like they're goddamn champagne glasses.
1: There's just a few. I've only done like three tournaments. And as a girl, I mean, I'm guaranteed in one of my tournaments, either a bronze or a silver, depending on how many girls actually signed up.
0: I actually have a bronze and a silver because in the 30 plus division, it's similar. You know, 30 plus 145 pound, you don't get so many people. I was going to say, I was going to say, when you you grow up and you have a, a kind of shaky foundation, and you had mentioned that there was maybe a cycle of your mom's behavior, older sister's behavior. When you find some people who sort of take you in and say, we believe in you, that must, that, that, does that change everything instantly? Is it something that you have to learn to trust?
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a learning to trust thing over time, because especially like it, Everything was happening to me at such a young age because my, my siblings and I were super spread out in age. Um, my older sister is seven years older than me. My two youngest siblings are seven years younger than me. And then I have one in the middle that's four years younger than me. So there was a lot of, like, betrayal by my older sister that really tarnished our relationship severely for a while there that I didn't trust anybody. I mean, I was still – I was living in these people in their in their house up here in Charlotte. And still having like I mean conversations with them about they uh, the the dad is really good with like metaphors and things like that. So I've got my cup of coffee. Like this this cup is like our love for you. And I can tell you know even with God because they're they're Christian. Um, he's like you're just dipping your toe in and then easing out. He's like eventually you just need to dive into the cup and accept it and know that you're loved and to trust them with that and. It's still something that I have to kind of push myself into with even them, even though they've definitely proved it. But yeah, so it's a hard thing. It doesn't come—at least for me—it hasn't come just immediately because I played that game a lot when I was younger, especially like wanting to bond with my older sister and be like, trust her immediately, and then immediately get you know thrown under the bus. But that's sibling for you at a young age. (laughs) Yeah,
0: especially especially with kids who have to watch their own backs I would imagine
1: yeah oh yeah and that's basically how we grew up was just you gotta have your own back and I was the softie that was like I gotta have everybody else's back too I'm the protective one
0: (laughs) wow it must have shocked everybody when if you you were the protective one it must have shocked everybody when you said you know what I'm out of here yeah
1: yeah and uh, I know that they were not happy with it I mean I have I have letters from my little sisters and little brother now, um, that you know, asking me, "Do you still love us? Are we still your family?" You know, and living in that weird blurred, my mom plays the game of everyone's family, no matter this like situation. Like, even though we have we're only half sisters, she doesn't do halves. I have step siblings like that aren't even actually one of them's not even related to me at all. It's just related to one of my other siblings. She's like, "That's your step sister too." You love her, but then she'll also play the game of, like, she's replaced you. She's Those little girls are her family now, and she did that a lot in the beginning. Um, So, you know, it's hard trying to rebuild those foundations. My siblings feel like strangers to me for the most part, but we make it work. The two youngest ones are the ones I'm focused on right now because they're 17 now, and they're really about to get into some shit. Excuse my language, Sally. (laughs)
0: You've, uh, this started with chit-chat about jujitsu, <laughs> and it ended Do you with, go back? well, it ended, I'm going to go ahead and say the hour is up, so I got to say goodbye, but
1: mm.
0: I think uh, you talked so much up top about fighting, and in the last half of this call, I think we have understood that it goes well beyond taking a martial arts class, that you are a true fighter in a way that's very inspiring. Thank you. I want to thank you for calling the show. I want to wish nothing but good luck to you. And please move to a neighborhood where you don't have to carry a knife on a chain. Please. <laughs> but
1: around cool.
0: Caller, thank you so much for calling the show. I, uh, I have to say, I mean, there were very hard parts to hear. My heart goes out to you. But as far as our vibe... I had a lot of fun talking to you uh, and it it meant a lot that you gave me a chance to connect with you and I hope I never see you out on the jujitsu mats because I don't want my arm broken or my kneecap busted so I hope we we never spar thank you to Harry Nelson in the booth holding it down Jared O'Connell thank you as well Jared came in today set this one up had to go work on the CGP podcast Harry helped down good job Harry thank you Justin Linville thank you Shell Shag for the music it means a lot that you contributed your wonderful tunes to this program if you want to know about me i got road dates if you like the show go to apple Podcasts, rate review subscribe really helps more than you know we'll see you next time Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, we talk to a Native American caller who's seen not just America, but most corners of the world.
1: So my parents are missionaries. I grew up overseas. I was born and raised, and I didn't move to the States until I was 18. And so I have this really funny kind of feeling around identity and home and where I fit in it and all of it. It's funny now because I'm in my 30s so you'd think I'd be out of this phase but it just never seems to it never seems to quite wrap itself up.
0: That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.